When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Central Wisdom Hour, number 16, for August 29th, 2017. I'm Steve Witchell in New Orleans. Tony Byron coming to you live from Neil Peart's living room. Yeah, that's the first, time we, that's the first time we had you play drums on the uh, show. That's nice. I didn't even know that was coming. Trying to calm him down a little bit. It's drum day today. That's right. Today on Cover Band Central, we celebrated drummers... Which I like to do from time to time is pick a theme and celebrate something all day. Sometimes it's celebrating music education, and sometimes it's a specific instrument, and uh, and then put up yeah. uh, articles and memes and stuff throughout the day, quotes that uh, all relate to that theme. And today the theme was drummers. I just decided that, and I'll tell you why I decided it too. Because yesterday I put up a couple things that were bass related. And I have, being a bass player, I have a lot of things that are bass-related on my computer, like, you know, pictures, memes, everything. Um, and a lot of them are in my folder for Cover Band Central stuff. So um, so I tend to do, like, bass stuff on there often uh, without really meaning to. And then so I, there was something yesterday um, that was bass-related, and somebody in the, in the comments kind of called me out and was like, uh, you know... We love bass and everything, but Cover Band Central leans really heavily on bass players. You know, th- you know there are other instruments. And so that kind of made me laugh, and I was like, hmm, all right, maybe I need to uh, curtail the bass stuff sometimes. Yeah. But, I figured you'd get a kick out of that because it, we spoke about, um, I was supposed to you know, I'm playing a gig on Saturday this weekend for a big Labor Day party, and we were doing some Rush, so I said I was going to build a Neil Peart replica drum set of spare drums I had laying around. And that is what I just played for you. Unfortunately, it's a monsoon rainstorm of like five inches of rain on Saturday. My gig is outdoors. So today I got the unfortunately bad news that it's been canceled. Ah. Oh, that stinks, man. You've been, you were looking forward to this for a long time. Total bummer, dude. And like I said, I even I get the concert toms out. I was all set, ready to go. Wow. So wait, how do you, you're get? You're definitely getting rain this weekend, huh? 
Yeah, Saturday down the beach, you know, two two and a half hours south of me is where the party is. And the forecast right now is rain Friday night, all day Saturday, Saturday night, all day Sunday. Boo. Yeah, major bummer. Yeah, that's a drag. Yeah, had subs lined up and major bummer. Yeah, well, that's what you get playing outdoors sometimes. You take that chance. And Mother Nature, right? What are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, Mother Nature obviously has been wrecking havoc lately down here. Houston is getting creamed with this uh, hurricane... uh, Harvey and uh, Tropical Storm now and and stuff. And uh, there were concerns here in New Orleans that it was going to affect us um, more than it has. It really hasn't been bad at all um, where I am anyway. Um, Actually, I don't think anywhere in the city. Um, And uh, even really in the last few weeks, we've had worse rain, uh, much worse rain than we've had due to Harvey. So uh, we lucked out this time around here. Uh, that that's that's good. I'm glad to hear that because usually you guys get pummeled, you know, and flooded. And it's it's bad in Texas right now. I mean, yeah. America's, those people there. Yeah, it, it's it's fifty three inches of rain they got. Yeah, it's crazy. So, any musicians out there, our friends in Texas, uh, we're sending our our thoughts and prayers and hearts and everything out to you. Um, sure, many musicians have lost their gear and definitely lost work, lost gigs. Um, so. Uh, you know, hopefully, we, hopefully, I, I know a lot of people are making donations for just humanitarian reasons now, but uh, as it, it, this is going to be a long thing, so as we get further down, hopefully, we can uh, maybe uh, start something and, and get um, Houston musicians back on their feet with gear and and uh, come up with like a GoFundMe or something. That'd be cool. You know, help, help yeah. everybody out. So uh, yeah. Um, I had another thought before, and I forgot what I was going to say. But we just started kind of rambling, riffing. Broke right into drum day. Broke right in. That's right, drum day. Um, more theme days. What What are good some good ideas for more themes? Maybe you can come up with some good ideas. What do you got? What off the top of your head? And not like besides just the instrument themes, like singer day and guitar player day. What What else could we do? You could do. Personal Leadership Day, or Inspiration Day, or Gratefulness Day, or Happy to Be Alive Day, or Don't Give a Fuck Today Day. <laughs> it's great. There's a great TED Talk. If anyone's interested, go on, look up TED Talk, and it's uh, a woman talking about how the the empowering freedom of not giving a fuck, and she describes in great detail for 12 minutes all about it. It's very entertaining. You need to let me know when you're going to cuss. i got to bleep you. Oh, sorry. I'm not giving a day. <laughs> What's you bleeping you? Yeah, I can bleep, I can bleep myself. Hey, i gotta, I got to bleep here somewhere. There it is. You know, yeah, if you gave me a little... <laughs> if a, yeah, I, I don't give a... All right, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. Usually it's very friendly, but, you know... Yeah, it's okay. No, family friendly family show here. It's okay. We're all human. We we've all they're words. Musicians just, don't curse. They're just words. And that word has a lot of yeah, meanings you could, anyway. You could, you could have a thousand different reasons, right? All kinds of different days, but you know, all some of those are good. good. 
stuff day, you know? Yeah, some of those are good that you just mentioned. Um, and I'd like to have ones that are really specific to musicians and, and even deeper specific to cover band musicians, like I, something, some themes. Well, you should have, I should do like a tribute band theme day. A lot of tribute bands out there, man. Um, yeah, tons, man. Real, uh, real lot. Uh, more than I really knew, because I'm, uh, like I was talking about it last couple weeks, This the Cover Band Central group, which is really run by the members, as opposed to the page, which is just really run by us, um, the group has just exploded lately. Um, and for the third week in a row, there's a, a thousand new people in there. Um and awesome. I, I mean, the requests just don't stop. They're just constantly happening all day. So I have to stay on top of that. And uh, but I, what I did, um, uh, Facebook just started this option. It's really cool. Um, I thought it was annoying at first because I tried to tried to join a group and it came up with questions that I had to answer in order to join the group, which is a new thing that Facebook just implemented. Um, and I. At joining the group, I thought it was annoying, but I was like, okay, whatever, I'll answer these questions. They're simple questions. Um, and then I, I, when I saw the option for the Carbant Central group for me to impose that, I was like, all right, let me try this, and maybe I can actually do a little bit of market research this way. So I asked three questions. You can ask three maximum. So I asked three. I said, uh, uh, what instrument do you play? Uh, why do you want to join this group? And what is the biggest challenge you face as a musician? And not everybody's answering these questions, but a lot of people are. And a lot of the people are in tribute bands because they're telling me, oh, I play in an Aussie tribute band and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, I'm seeing uh, seeing more of that now with Cover Band Central than I had in the past. A lot of them out there. Yeah, and for a while, I can remember back in the, you know, mid-90s, uh, Tons of tribute bands, you know, Rush tribute bands, Power Windows, you know, I had a bunch of friends that played in that band. I used to sub for, for Joe Bergamini, uh, you know, a bunch of times. And Kiss, you know, there's a bunch of Kiss tribute bands. There was, uh, you know, an Ozzy tribute band you made reference to. There was a Doors tribute band. I mean, there was probably a dozen different tribute bands that were regularly making rounds on the circuit, you know, every week. Right. And then it kind of went away for a little while. And then, you know, now it's back. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something that's going to be really a growing market as we all get older because these bands that are out there that are playing aren't going to be able to play anymore. And that's one of the biggest uh, allures to having a tribute band is like, well, you can't see Pink Floyd live anymore. So you might as well come at least enjoy the Pink Floyd live experience with people who are. Uh, able to replicate that music well and and especially with floyd like you really need a good stage show you need you need the laser lights and everything and i've seen floyd bands like kill it with that oh, like with video Gene's screens been doing it for 20 years who has the machine oh the machine right they've been around forever i mean and they've played all over the place you know all over the world actually yeah yeah so it's so the older we get and the more these bands aren't going to be able to play live anymore um the more tribute bands will emerge i think and uh it really has to be a band that's successful enough to draw a crowd. I've seen people do, uh, oh God, what was it? Some, uh, some band that that was relatively popular, like like a Limp Bizkit type of, got that only that popular. So Limp Bizkit had a, a few songs that were that did well, but you know, 
Are, yeah, how many three, people? Years there where they were huge. Yeah, but how many people are really going to go see a Limp Bizkit tribute band as opposed to a Journey tribute band, or you know? Yeah, or to your point, bands that just aren't playing anymore. You know, like for like I said, like Rush. You know, they're not going to tour anymore. Um, you know, other bands that may never play again, like you know, for instance, Soundgarden, right? Or a Stone Temple Pilots, a band of that magnitude. You yeah. know, if you could get a tribute band together with the right people, you know, that in the right sound, that you could definitely, you know, pack places and play regularly because you would definitely, you know, people would definitely come to see it, no doubt. Yeah, those bands are definitely ones that will, you have to have the right singer for at least Soundgarden, you definitely. Uh, Stone Temple's a little easier, but Soundgarden, I mean, that's, that's a... Yeah, or Alice in Chains, any of those bands. If you could do it authentically, you know what I mean? And it really sounds like, like the band, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, Zeppelin tribute bands are, and some of those guys out there are killing it. You know, yeah. they sound like Plant. Yeah, it's all about the uh, the singer, really, when it comes down to it. It's, you know, because you're going to get players that will be able to replicate the, the parts. You know, that's if you get a good guitar player, he's going to be able to learn the song and play it right. And same with any instrument, but the singer has to sound like the guy. Yeah, you know? and to your point, too, the bands that are killing it are the bands that sound like that band, you know? Play the same brand of drums, tune yeah. them the same, same type of amp, guitar, replicate the sound. You know, you need a certain, it's got to sound authentic. You know, I agree with you, the singer has to be spot on. That's going to be the most identifiable part of it. Yeah. But the overall sound of the band, too. That's really what you see that separates it apart. Or like you said, if you see a Floyd tribute band, then they have the whole laser show, you know, and the whole experience with it. That's what sets them apart from just, you know, another band that's kind of doing it. Yeah. Um, I played in a Zeppelin tribute band for a little while, and the guitar player, to his credit, was the one that was really getting into the authenticity of being Jimmy Page. He bought the, the double neck SG. He played a Les Paul. Um you know, Marshall amps. Um, uh, he would get. He got the clothes made, like custom made from. Um, there was like a jumpsuit that Jimmy Page wore. In it was it in the song remains the same. I'm not sure. It might have been. Uh, and there's kind of like a floral yeah. thing on his leg. Um, so he got that custom made, and you know, he he actually kind of looks like Page, and he plays a lot like Page too. Um, kind of that sloppy feel, um, but you know, melodic still. Um, so uh, I didn't, you know, when I was in that band, I didn't go for the whole, let me play the same bass as John Paul Jones and blah, blah, blah. And, but I played bass and keyboards in that band too. Um, um, but I should have. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't in a place in my life at the point where I could really afford to stretch out and <laughs> spend, spend a lot of uh, resources on, on being authentic with it. You know, I didn't feel like I had to, so I didn't. You know. Yeah, but like you said, even when, when um, you know, the guys used to play in Power Windows in the Rush Tribute Band, it was, you know, it sounded authentic, you know? It wasn't trying to, you know, Joby used to bring an authentic big kit, you know, to replicate that Neil Peart. It was a Tama, you know, same, uh, you know, era, same model, same color. It had that sound to it, you know, which was super identifiable. Right. Uh, singer sounded exactly like Getty, you know, played bass and sang. It was, you know, they really, they had something real special there for a bunch of years. And it was really, 
you know, they were the only game in town. There was no other Rush tribute bands, and they were and they were doing it authentically, and they played so much that it was tight. You know, Power every Windows. night. Yeah, I think I saw them once at I think it was at Mother's. For some reason, it that's what rings a bell. Remember Mothers in Wayne? Yeah, they, they played there plenty of times. They used to play Rock and Roll Cafe. They used to play out on the island. They used to play all over the place, you know. And we, we were on Double Bill with them a couple of times. And like I said, there was a, a bunch of opportunities where I got to, uh, you know, sit in with them or play a gig with them. Or if we were opening for them, I would just play Joe's drums. You know, if we if, if our band was going on before them, I would just play his kit. It was, it was great. Oh, that's Again, super cool. camaraderie of bandmates, you know. and yeah. He would love it too because he'd get to sit out front and listen to how his drums sound, you know, because you don't get, ever get that opportunity when you're playing right. them, obviously. Speaking of sitting in and camaraderie with bandmates, I got to tell you what happened this weekend with me. Um, I played Crazy Corner Friday, Saturday, like normal. It was a very slow weekend, and I think a, a lot due in part that it's end of summer plus the hurricane going on because um, we get a lot of people from Texas here. And uh, kind of dead, but, you know, we got through them. Um, I called the show at Crazy Corner both nights, which I don't want. I, I want to get back to that later uh, and talk about that whole thing. But um, Saturday after we were done, it was early for us. Uh, it was only a little after midnight and we were done. And I know my other friends' bands are playing down the street, so I put my stuff away in the car and then I went and walked down to one of the clubs and they had me get up and I played. I never say a man on bass and. Um, the guy who plays bass in that band, he's really good, uh, really good friend, uh, super cool guy. He's actually the band leader, and uh, but he he's kind of a like a John Ant whistle where he just stands in the back and does his thing, and he doesn't really, you know. And I'm more like the st- school of Steve Harris, where I like to, you know, get out and rock. And uh, my friend, the guitar player, was singing the song, and he was up front, so I kind of. I kind of got out front there and rocked with him, and it was a lot of fun to do that, um, even though I played that song a zillion times. Um, so that's one thing. You still with me? I am here. I just heard a lot of hiss come up. I don't know. Skype is being crazy. Yeah, the Skype, Skype bill. The Skype monster. Um, so then after that, I walked down the street further and went to Famous Door, um, and that club is is the best club on the street to play if you're in a band, if you're especially if you're in a rock band. The place always packs. It's just a great location. It's a great club. And my friends play there, too, on the weekend. So I went there, and I was on the side of stage, and, uh, you know, the guy saw me, keyboard player saw me, and the bass player saw me. And uh, the keyboard player said, do you want to come up and play? And I said, I want to come up and sing. Um, so he, they ended the song. He said, come on up. You know, they introduced me packed room and i got up wireless mic and just sang a song right out front in the stage which is not something i do <laughs> it's not i'll i sing in my band but i've never i i've never done i've never actually done that gone just without the protection of my bass in front of me and just holding a mic and standing up front and being the front person and singing a song and i had a little bit of liquid courage going on but I sang a song that I really know well and uh, can really sing well, and I just got all like rock star into it. You know, I'm all, all on the stage, I'm making the rock star moves, <laughs> and it was fun, man. Um, so I kind of released some inhibitions there. And then when that song was done, they asked me to sing another one, so I sang two songs, and 
And if I say so myself, I think I killed it. <laughs> Excellent, dude. That's, that's awesome. So, I mean, it's so cool to have this camaraderie among musicians here in New Orleans where I can do, I have the freedom to do that, to just walk in a club and say, hey, let me get up and, and do whatever. I, and I've, I, you know, built uh, these relationships over a long period of time, but it's nice to have that, you know, especially within a couple steps or a block walking distance to just be able to jump on stage whenever I feel like it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool, man. Like I said, it's, it's you know, the whole thing with the cover band central community is just that, you know, it's all the musicians, it's the camaraderie, it's the community of that. Like you said, it's the people taking charge and getting on the page and, you know, and inspiring other people to get involved too and, and, and tell their stories and post stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's just, it just keeps growing and it's, it's, it's happening organically, you know, just yeah. on its own. Yeah. It's awesome. People are really cool too, man. People are uh, coming up with really good questions. I saw a guy, you're, you're able to uh, create a poll on there too, if you want to. And a guy created a poll and I wish I had it in front of me. I don't, but, um, about, uh, calling the show. Um, do you, do you do set lists? Like it, there were four options. Like, do you uh, come up with a stringent set list and then just modify it for request? Um, do you do a loose, you know, uh, idea and then and then another option was, do you just pick songs on the fly? Um, so uh, that sparked a, a good conversation there. I thought that was a really good question. Um, and uh, I have feelings on all of those ways of doing it. I I, I think. Uh, when I played with you, we had a set list, right? I know we did because I still have copies. Oh yeah. Now, do you uh -huh. still do it the same way? Yeah, we have a list, and we'll run it down because we make it into more of a show. So we have, you know, certain songs that are grouped together that go with each other. We have a break where someone can talk, uh, you know, and it also depends on the gig. But for the most part, yeah, you got back to back to back to back songs. Try to keep the dead air down to a minimum, and you know, it's only if they want to skip a song or for some other reason there's a request maybe, you know, but for the most part, it's pretty structured. You know, we're not really calling them out uh, and just breaking into them. Right. Because sometimes they'll go one to the next, you know, you might play something that has the same, same tempo or same type of groove into another song, you know, like any, like if you want to do a medley of, you know how it works, right? You could play like December 1963 into, um, Billy Jean into Dancing Queen, you know, like anything with that sort of tempo and that four on the floor groove, you can kind of just roll one to the next, you know? Right. And if people are up dancing, it keeps them up dancing, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's the way I like to do it in those situations, like gigs that you play. Um, but what you're saying too, not to cut you off, is we've also done it where like I remember we played a wedding and people were up dancing and as we were playing, I was perusing the list and seeing what tempos worked and what songs would be into the next. And I was calling audibles, you know what I mean? And I, I dissected the set, you know, between say two sets and made it into a, a 10 or a 12 song nonstop, you know, back to back to back like a DJ would. And, you know, people would got, were dancing, you know, the entire time. And that was a lot of fun. And, you know, we actually had people come and say, like, wow, I never danced so much at a wedding. And what a great song selection. So that's kind of reading the room, you know, and just, t like you said, making the 
making that audible call and just saying like, no, I don't think that song's going to work. We're not doing that. And I'm making the executive decision right now to, to, right. to, to something else that will work, you know, and being the drummer, you can tell with tempo and beat and then, you know, everyone's going to follow along anyway. Right. Even if they want to do it. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it was just one of those nights where it all worked, you know? That's cool. Yeah. We, we've talked about this in great detail before we actually went over, uh, the, one of the articles that I wrote that, uh, about song selection and the certain points. Uh, I don't know which wisdom arrow that was. I don't remember, but, uh, it was early on, so you can probably find it. Um, if you're interested, um, but, uh, you, you know, something you just said made me think about something, the, the difference between playing a wedding and a club, um, even if you have the sort of same clientele and you're going to go about it with the same, uh, style of music and genre and, 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 and the goal for what you said is keep people dancing, which is really the goal that you want to have all the time. But at a wedding, you're going to, you don't really need to give a break with that. I, I mean, you're, there's going to be natural breaks when you're playing a wedding because there's the, you know, the, the dances and the, the, the garter and the, the bouquet and all, and the cutting of the cake and stuff. So, so there's going to be those sort of natural breaks, but in, if you're playing in a club, you really want to give people a break at some point to get them to go to the bar and spend money um, and get them to stop dancing or get the the, the dance floor to sort of rotate. Um, so that's kind of a thing that I, I think of, too, when I'm calling a show. Um, but um, I love doing shows the way... I like having a set list, having a show, putting together a show, especially if you have a chance to rehearse the show. I'm sure you guys are way past that point where you need to rehearse the show. But did you at some point do that? Like where you, you know, came up with a set list and then rehe actually rehearsed it in a row? Or was that no, just like no, stuff we no, did when we were kids? <laughs> yeah, no, just or, like, again, organically, it would kind of, you know, the set list would sometimes be dictated by what patch, say, Jimmy would need to put on his keyboard, you know? And we couldn't do these two songs back-to-back -back because he needed a certain amount of time to do the patch change, you know? Right. Or to get a different sound up or, you know, something like that. But for the most part now, we would just assemble the songs in a certain order, you know, and no rhyme or reason, and then, you know, start to medallyize them in a way where, again, it wasn't, you know, we would rehearse things if we were going to cut from one part of a song into the next or into another song, you know, like we used to sometimes do um, The Middle by Jimmy Eat World, and we would uh, parlay that into Authority Song, you know, because they were both the same tempo, same vibe, and we would just cut one into the next. So right. we just worked, you know, we rehearsed that once to get it down, and then once we were doing it, we never rehearsed it again. We might have done that also with, um, you know, Walking on Sunshine and... Um, you're the one that I want, you know, the theme from Greece, right. those two, same tempo, same kind of groove, same beat. You know, you can cut one right into the next. That's a fun song to play on bass, man. The Grease song. That's a great bass line. It is. It's, it's, it's killer, you know, and, but we never really rehearsed a show per se. We would just, you know, right. more hash out how the songs are going to jive together and tempo, like we talked about earlier. And that's something, you know, I wanted to touch on too was, Tempo of songs, right? I mean, we could digress for a minute, but so important to play the song at the right tempo, right? Because you could have a a killer tune, and if it's too fast, it doesn't have the groove and it loses right. its authenticity. 
And the same thing if it's too slow. Right. Now, but, but before say, you go before you go further, I, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but before you go further, this is a, a, a point of contention with a lot of people. And what I noticed is that, you know, obviously, most people have a tendency to play things faster live. Um, and for the most part, the songs that we play here in New Orleans live, we play it faster than the record. Now, when you're saying play at the right tempo, or do you mean play it the way it was recorded or play it the tempo that you've decided on that is going to be the right tempo for your band? Well, both, right? Because hear me out. If you have, um, let's say, Love Shack, right? The, the studio version is very slow. If you play it at that authentic tempo at the club, it's going to be too sleepy. You know what I mean? It's just too laid back. It's too slow. Right. It needs to be bumped up a little bit, right? So it has some energy to it, but not too fast, but just fast enough that it's not dragging and it's not really feel like it's slow, slow, you know? But then on the flip side, if you have a song like, say, Black Hole Sun, that is way back in the pocket and it's slow and it has to be played that way. If you rush that song, it doesn't sit right and it won't sound right. good. So it's really... It's, I mean, tempo, obviously, that is the mechanic um, uh, definition of it. But it's really about how does it feel, right? I mean, like, it does, if, if Love Shack is played too slow, it doesn't feel right. If, if you're playing Black Hole Sun too fast, it doesn't feel. You don't feel it, right? Right. You need the feel. You have to, it has to have that feel. And, you know, that might be a one or two BPM swing, and on a slower song it would be more prevalent. Like, for example, we play At Last, right? That's a, as a wedding song, right? right? We play, um, ah, shoot, what's the other song? Um, Don't Know Why. And those are both really, really slow songs. I played Don't Know Why, man, I, and I loved playing that song, man. That's It's, it's yeah, so, so it, simple, it's, but it, it's a beautiful it's, song. It is, but you have to play it slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rush either one of those, it's just not it's not good. Same thing with Unforgettable. You know, any of those type of songs that are like big and structured or arranged or have that kind of really back in the pocket and they're like a slow ballad, you know, you really gotta you really gotta lay back. Otherwise that little one or two BPM click up is all it takes to disrupt the feel. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's all about and you know, I'll play the same exact songs with um, different two different bands every week. Um, and, you know, being a bass player, I key in on the drummer and really uh, try to dictate the whole thing from that, from the rhythmic standpoint. Um, and the drummer that I play with during the week is, he plays everything naturally very fast or faster uh, than the recordings, everything. Um, but, like we'll, we'll we do Dream On by Aerosmith there, and I purposely try to dr really sit back on that song, and then I was playing it with uh, we played with two guitar players there, and one one of my guitar players said it's not that slow, it's faster, but I I, I think it just feels better when you really kind of let those notes breathe a lot more. Um, so it really depends on who you're playing with if you're able to manipulate that. Like you as a drummer, you, you know you can dictate it. But when it's a guitar player or a bass player, you know, we have to kind of try to steer the drummer sometimes. Like, I can steer my drummer, usually, 
without saying yeah, it, a word. It could be a combination of stuff too, because sometimes we'll be playing the song and someone might be able to turn around and be like, you know, it, it's too slow or you got to speed up a little bit. And I won't. Like, if I don't agree with it, I'll say, no, this is where it's supposed to be, you know? But on the flip side, you know, I played with a click for years, you know, with sequencer and, and stuff like that. And it's deceiving because sometimes you will you'll either adrenaline or you're coming off another song that was a faster tempo, you know, and then you'll start a song that, you know, you have programmed into a sequencer with a click track and it's going to be exactly like, let's say that song is at, you know, 112 BPM and that song starts and you would swear something's wrong with the, with the click, man. It, this is no way this could be right. Right. You know, <laughs> but then you play it and if you record the show and you listen back to it, it's exactly where it was supposed to be. You know, it's the exact tempo of the album. Like right. Sweet Child Line, you got to play it the right tempo. You know what I mean? If you play it a little too fast or a little too slow, it doesn't have the same feel. But it's deceiving because when you listen to it, it seems like it's faster than it is, you know? Because you're kind of playing on top of the beat a little bit and pushing it, but yeah. it's it still has a pocket, Yeah. you know? So if you know what the tempos are on the songs you're playing, you can check yourself that way too, you know, by yeah. having... Uh, you know, a, a tempo or a, a BPM just, to, you know, to click count yourself off. Even if it's on your phone and you know what the tempo is, you know, you could just type it in quick and, and, and play it just to get a reference because sometimes you will have adrenaline or, you know, if you're just starting out nerves too, right? If you're nervous about playing, you're going to try, you're going to want to play it faster or it's going to speed up as you go, yeah. you know? Yeah. That, that was something we all had to learn when we were younger was because we, we, because of that adrenaline, we tended to go in and play everything faster, and you had to learn how to play slower. That well, was... if you listen to, like, there's plenty of songs. Like, you hear Rolling Stones songs all the time, Scup, you know, a couple of bars in sometimes, and even, like, uh, Temple of the Dog, you know? It's, like, 5 BPM faster by the time it gets to the end. Yeah, Um they didn't use a click track in, in the uh, studio. No, I mean, but they were young, right? They were energetic. They played, and it starts at a certain you know tempo, and it's kind of back in the pocket and stuff. But once they get rolling, and after some of the fills, and it starts to get into the end, you know, and it's got more energy, it's you can feel it. It creeps up. It pushes. You know, it's up. It's up a few BPM. Right. And then nothing wrong with that. You know, nothing has to be perfect. It, it, I well, mean, especially played live, you're never going to be perfect. Oh, please, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's got to feel good. I like sweet. You mentioned "Sweet Child," and I know for a fact that we play that's faster than the recording. And it, but it works, um, and it and it feels good usually. Um, and it's never going to be exactly the same. And you don't want it to be. You want it to be organic and and. Uh, yeah, but if you listen to bands like you listen to Pearl Jam, right? They got you know thousands of live recordings out there. You know. And, and, like, Given to Fly is one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs. I don't know if you're familiar with that tune, but it's just got a great groove. It's real organic. It's laid back. It's got, you know, a real trippy feel to it. It's kind of breathy, and it tells a good story, and it's it's got a nice tempo that it sits at, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you listen to the live versions of it, every version is too fast. It's like some of them are cranking fast, like almost like double time, and some are just a little off the mark, you know? But it's very... It's very different than the studio album, you know, but if you listen to that song with headphones on, studio version of it has a certain vibe, a certain feel. It, it pulls you in. It tells a story. You know, right. some of that gets lost in translation on the on the live version of it because it's just too fast. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So to your point, like... it's got to feel good. You know, it's got to be right for the, yeah. for, for the feel. I love when I see drummers that are listening to a click and playing live um, or 
following a sequencer and playing uh, when they're playing a live show in cover bands or any bands really for that matter. Um, just because I love having that foundation to play with, you know, even if I'm not playing, just watching it, I get that same feeling of that. And um, there are a couple of bands that really influenced me when I was younger, going to see them like cover bands. One was UUU in Pennsylvania and the drummer's name, you know yeah. them? Oh yeah. I played with them a bunch of times at the cricket club. Yeah. They're real good. They still play to this day and they still do great. They used to, uh, win awards and stuff. They're like the biggest band in, in, uh, it's like Eastern Pennsylvania. Um, and, uh, the, the drummer, Joe, He's the one that puts together set lists, uh, and he just never stops playing. And he's, I think he's listening to a click sometimes. I'm not positive, but that dude's a machine, man. Um, and uh, that's that's something I learned a long time ago about that about the difference in a band being able to go song, 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 as opposed to playing a song, ending it, starting another song playing a song, ending it, starting another song, and just doing that all night. Um, you know, sometimes it's called for, but... So I called the show. This was my first weekend of calling the full show uh, again at Crazy Corner. And I, I'm, I'm good at it because I really care about it as an art, as far as, you know, making songs make sense from one to the other to the other, and making them just flow. Like, you don't end a song. You just start the next song. So I'm, I'm good at communicating with people on stage and good at picking songs. And I like to, one of the themes that I kind of stick with when I'm picking songs is the key of the song. Um, I like to stay in the same key for like three or four songs because it gives this, it, there's a subliminal thing that, that the crowd experiences where uh, if you're not stopping and you're still in the same key and you're playing a recognizable song, they're just going to keep dancing. They're not going to stop. And it works every time. <laughs> and it's fun. Yeah. It's fun and, for me to do. And we talked about earlier too with the authenticity and reproducing things accurately and playing to a click. You know, I played in the band Mr. Personality for years, and it was a heavy hard rock cover band. Right. But we we did all everything was sequenced, you know, and everything was to a click because it was Nine Inch Nails, it was you know Alice in Chains, it was it was. Um, white zombie it was filter it was chemical brothers you know it was it was a lot of different music that required you know to, to sound authentic it had to be sequenced you know we used to play reptile by nine inch nails and it's got this like repetitive almost like the beginning of money you know what i mean it's got this right. repetitive sound of a camera and it's got this you know? Did you have a keyboard player too, or did you just use a keyboard uh -oh. sequence? No, no. Me and the guitar player at the time, uh, we sequenced everything okay. and sampled and lifted off the album the parts we needed and then put them into the sequencer and then, you know, streamed them into the time and then set the tempos up and then created the loops and then we would map out the whole song, you know, and the bridge came at this point, you know, at measure, you know. 72 this part starts and that thing's going to come in and if you're not there you know it's a problem and uh you know we had to adopt that by really a force of nature where we had a keyboard player you know we had a band and the guy was great and then he had a better opportunity that he left for so before he left we made him take all of the songs that we had been doing which were all originals at the time and transpose play to a click and record them into the sequencer and right. then we gigged live to a click for a year, um, you know, 
in support of that tour with no keyboard player. And in the beginning, we had a keyboard set up with a uh, like a mannequin, you know, like a, a cutout picture of him on stage. But that, <laughs> but the year of playing to a click, you know, it made the band tighter. It made me, you know, a thousand times better drummer because after that, you know, after several years of playing oh, with a yeah. click like that, then don't play with a click. It's like a machine. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, that's and, the uh, thing I think too, man. Because I've I spent a lot of my youth practicing with a metronome or with a click. Um, and I feel now like the click is just in me. I don't even need to listen to it anymore. Do you feel the same way? Well, yeah, and it was great because when I when I was down in New Orleans, when I visited you that time, and your guitar player was on stage, we were, we were doing Alanis Morissette, uh, and he starts the song with that delay, you know, for... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ought to know. Right. And he, he set his delay, and, you know, when he strummed it, and he was setting it, and then when we started the song, he was like... He was flipping out next to me because he's like, bro, it's the exact tempo at the exact speed at the exact match of my delay for the intro. He was like, you know, and didn't think much about it, you know, but it was it was nice to for the recognition of him to say, like, wow, you know, you're clicking it off at exactly the tempo it's supposed to be played at. And for, you know, the first 16 bars where it's just guitar and drums, it was it was locked. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. There was, I, but it was just a lock-in thing, and you were locked on. And it's just, yeah, he, like I said, it's a natural thing from years of playing with a click. It just becomes ingrained in you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and Glenn is uh, Glenn is the guitar player you're talking about, and he uh, he's a stickler for getting things right. Like he doesn't like to play stuff off the cuff if if he doesn't really know the solo note for note and whatever and the little intricacies like that. The, the yeah, timing on the delay, you know, or timing on that effect, whatever effect he's using um, on that. Um, so for him to, to uh, give you that acknowledgement, uh, that means it's it's true because <laughs> he's, he's, he's dead on with that, uh, with that stuff. Yeah, he was stoked. But, you know, as a young drummer, you know, we're intimidated by the click track. And a lot of musicians are, you know, regardless oh, yeah. of what instrument you play. There's some and musicians you that never, never get around to practicing with a, a click track. Right, and you struggle with it, and you say, "Oh man, this is a drag, and it's going to hinder me, and it's going to make me play you too think, rigid." And, you know, yeah, you think it, the click is wrong when you're, you're practicing. You're like, "Wait, that click is off." <laughs> yeah, that click is way too slow, man. That tempo is definitely wrong. It's like you know, you gotta you gotta get used to. It's because you can breathe in a click. You know, there's a certain amount of time you can play way back on it. You can play really on yeah. top of it, where you're almost falling off it, but you're not. You know, yeah. So th there's definitely room in there to stretch and breathe and and make it sound authentic, not sloppy, but, you know, there's room for, for movement in there. But at the same time, after you've done it, like I can remember the first time I ever played with a click, it was in the studio, it was like 1989, and the engineer was like, dude, we got to do this song to a click, and it was an original song that we wrote, and I, you know, my own drum part that I wrote, and I ended up playing the entire song to the click by myself. Like nobody else around, you know, I said, I, I can't do it with the band. It's too distracting. Those guys are, you know, they're trying to follow me, but they're a little bit off. And I just, you know, I played the song top to bottom just by myself to the click. Right. And then it worked. And then they added their parts to it. And then over time, we would rehearse. And then before we would go to the studio to record songs, we would do them at a couple of different tempos, you know. Okay, let's put the click at 100. Let's run through the tune. We'll play it. We'll see how it feels. Let's set the click at 103, set the click at 105, you know what I mean? Right. And get that range and then listen back to it a bunch of times and then pick the tempo that worked and then in the studio play it live to a click, you know, as a whole yeah. band.
but I'd be the only one who could hear the click. So they would just be following me. Right. But, right. It, you know, but over time, like I said, when you're first intimidated by the click and it becomes something that you find really hard to manage over time, it becomes your friend and it becomes something that's just there. You yeah. don't even think about it anymore. You know what I mean? You yeah. can freely play, you know, over the bar line. You can do fills. You can, you know, you can totally move, have that movement within the click, but it becomes something that it, yeah, you, you be comfortable with and you, and you look for it too. It's like when you have it there, it's, it's, it's not like a crutch, but it's like a, an old friend. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's really, it's not intimidating anymore. It's it's just there. Yeah, people are afraid of it because they think it's limiting. And what you find is really the exact opposite. It's so freeing once you understand it because it becomes part of you. You, you feel like there's this magic sort of euphoric thing that happens once you you like you. At first, it's a struggle. You're playing with the click, and you're like you're you're chasing it or you're you're behind it, whatever. But then once you start to feel it, you don't hear it anymore. You just feel it. You, you're not even listening yes. to something. You're just feeling that. And that opens up this incredible world of possibilities, like you said, where you can kind of dance around that click. And you know, I, when I went to college, I, I, I majored in music. And, and one of, in one of our classes, uh, the professor brought in an oscilloscope, which is, for people who don't know, is, is sort of a visual graph representation of sound. And it shows like like a heart monitor. It shows, you know, the... the, the, the uh, visual graph and if you if you play a note or play even a beat on the oscilloscope you're going to see uh, you're going to see it the, the the line go up uh so an ascension and then a peak and then the decay so you know and that's a click that's a one moment in time type of thing but that still has this before and after part of it which you can as a drummer or as a musician can play with you can be on that 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 the front end of that or the back end of that as long as you know where it is you can play around it and that's 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 why i encourage every musician to to learn how to play with that because it really opens up that that state like you just said like we were both talking about that stays with you once you learn it once you get it you're, you're yeah it becomes ingrained it just becomes a part of your playing and you're so comfortable with playing in time and solid like that all the time that that's you know it becomes part of what you do and for any, you know, any musician out there, especially a drummer, you know, there's a couple of things where if you've never played with a click, you know, just set it to quarter notes, you know, and just play, you know, eighths on the hi-hat and then just, you know, kick on one and snare on two and a kick on three and a snare on four and just keep playing that until you can't hear the click. And then you know you're playing exactly right. with it because it disappears. Right. It's, hear it anymore you know right and that's, the thing is the selection of what you use for the click sound some guys like a rim shot some guys like a cowbell some guys like a wood block you know it's all personal preference what right. you like uh to hear you know as your designation but again like you know we we're saying when you're when you're in perfect time with it it disappears it's, yeah it's, it's eerie how that works you, you can't you that's really cool, can't man. hear it it's gone. magic. It's like it's the same thing that you experience when you learn a song and you've played it so many times that you don't have to think about it anymore. It's the same feeling. It's the same experience. It's like your body just knows how to do it. It feels it. Like I don't have to think about playing most songs that I play these days. Yeah, and even for guys who are you know who play in bands who have played for years and may have been in cover band for you know fifteen years or more, but never played with a click, you know challenge yourself now go back and you know play with the click and and you know and and get used to it 
And it's just yeah. another thing. It's an exercise to have that makes you better. And it doesn't take it's as long as you exercise. think it's. Yeah, it doesn't take as long as you think it will, and it's not as hard as your brain is telling you it's going to be. Um, it's yeah. It's you, you. You just get over that little hump of understanding it, and then then you you open up into this magical world of freedom. It's it's an awesome exercise for anybody that plays any sort of instrument, even a singer. It's good to learn how to sing in time. Oh, absolutely. The click never lies. Remember that. That's right. It, does, it definitely does not. The click never lies. The click is the truth. And the click exposes all lies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exposes all your, your, your warts and everything else. Uh, and especially if you're if you play at the studio or you're playing on playing in the studio, that's something that you need to, to learn how to do because more often than not, that's where you're going to encounter uh, that that you have to play with a click. Um, you know, not not as much live, um, although you know people do it live like you did and I've done. Uh, but in the studio, that's where it really. You really anything that you're off on is going to be glaringly obvious. Yeah, and especially if you're playing along to a track or a pre-recorded track of some sort, you know, or some kind of backing track, whether it be a shaker, a tambourine part, you know, percussion part. There might be something pre-recorded or something that's in the background to the track that you're playing, the laying down the drums on, right. and that's going to be to a click. So right. you're going to have to fit into that mold because you know. You may not be the first guy going, and you may not have the opportunity to record it, you know, live with your bandmates. Uh, you know, and again, it might be a reference track that you have to play along to. Um, you know, and it's very difficult to just try to put that in, in you know, in, in headphones right. and then play along without a click reference of some sort. Right. And you learn to love it, like you said. And, and this was a great idea to talk about this because it's uh, it's it's something that's very important for people to know and put into practice yeah and it's relevant you know like especially for drummers you know the different you can hear you know the, the drummer's rock solid right it's got a great tempo and he's not speeding up through the fills and he's you know he's got the right feel for the song but he's but solid you know and consistent and you know it also goes to you know since you're talking about studio and tempo it comes back to silly things where even if you're just playing you know like i said a one and three on a kick and two and four on the snare, that velocity and that consistency at which you hit the snare drum and the bass drum, you know, the volume, the impact, the spot on the drum that you're hitting it, you know, not so much live, but when you're in the studio, it gets revealed. You know, if you're hitting that drum dead center with a certain amount of, you know, consistency and force, and then you hit it just a little bit off center or, you know, not as hard, you'll, you'll hear it. You know, it'll, it'll be really exposed, especially in the studio. Live, you know, you're probably not going to hear it as much, you know, because of all the other things that are going on. Right. But that, that solid um, foundation that comes from playing with a click is something that I would highly recommend to anybody out there, yeah. uh, young, old, new, you know, whatever level you're at and you're playing is definitely something to, to uh, explore and embrace because it will make you, you know, way way better than you think it will yeah i wish every drummer that i played with knew this and practiced it <laughs> it's just it's finding the time right i mean seriously if you had an hour a day for a month you you would be well well over the hump and on your way you know? it's it's also having the desire and the drive to be that good you know 
not yeah, everybody well, again, has it. It comes back to, you know, do you want to drink and kind of sloppily play your way through the gig or are you going to be sober and, you know, bring your best effort forward, right? And that those are the guys that are going to be, you know, the most in demand. You know, that are mm-hmm. professional, that are sound good, that are good players, and that are constantly evolving and getting better. You know, that's work. the whole yeah. key to it. I don't sure. want to be stagnant and just be playing the same old drums with, you know, the heads that are three or four years old on them because you just haven't changed them and it sounds okay. And, right. you know, you know, it's all that, like you said, that personal pride you take in what you do and, and the level of dedication that you're going to put into it to develop your talent and be the best that you can be. Right. Be the best that you can be at all times and always be on top of your game. Always be yeah. trying, always be trying to learn, you know, learn something. That's, I mean, that's, that's a thing that a lot of musicians, uh, do. And there's a lot that don't, but you know, it's always about learning. You can never stop learning. So, um, speaking of learning, I posted a question yesterday to the cover band central page and the question was what what is your favorite cover song to play live and we've got close to 500 responses <laughs> and uh a lot of like uh you had said when you first saw this that a lot of uh sort of uh out of left field songs that you would never expect well, super eclectic mix. Eclectic, I was kind of, yes. when you told me you were posting the question, I was saying like, oh man, there's probably going to be a lot of redundancy, you know, and a lot of tunes that a lot of people are going to like that are the same. Right. And it couldn't be further from the truth, you know? The first 200 that I went through, there was like maybe half a dozen repeats, you know? Right. Very right. interesting, eclectic mix. And again, the way you pose the question, what is your favorite cover song to play not what is the crowd's favorite song to play what is your favorite what's fun for you right so you got great responses because it's a a super eclectic mix i love it but it's interesting that some people responded with songs that got the best crowd response and that's what made it their favorite you know I, i i thought that was a really interesting thing because for me that is really kind of the case too because I play the same, basically the same songs five nights a week uh, with minor variations. But there's some songs that I play every single night I play. Um, and I, yeah, you know, I would echo that sentiment that I love it. It's fun for me when people in the crowd are enjoying it and singing along and dancing and, and whatever. That makes it fun for me. Um, but... Um, you know, as far as like playing, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, you know, because what are you really doing? You know, there's 12 notes. I'm playing, you know, one of 12 notes at all times. And it's the order that I put the notes in that make the difference based on, you know, what the song is. So what, what is it about it for me that makes it my favorite? You know, I'm still doing the same thing with my fingers, you know, all night. Doesn't matter what song it is. Um, so, and, and I would go back to what we were talking about before is like, how does it feel? Does it feel good? And one of the songs that I'm really enjoying, I've really enjoyed lately for a long time or for a while, at least lately, uh, is, uh, your love by the outfield. And the reason is because number one, because the crowd responds well to it. And then number two is because the vocals, we, we have this beautiful 
three-part harmony that we do in both bands that I play in, um, we just nail it, you know, and it just sounds so good um, with the people that I'm singing with, and it's so much fun to sing that and and just and feel it, you know, that the feeling comes when they when you nail that, you know that feeling, Tony. When when you nail those harmonies, you know, it just gives you chills, man. And um, that's a song that we have uh, this really cool uh vocal arrangement on uh, vocal understanding in both bands so that's one of my favorites right now yeah we used to do that with go your own way by with mac yeah we you know? put that in there at the end we do the go your own way and then we do uh uh minute uh who can it be now we put in there uh do a little sort of medley at the end but when you have the three-part harmony i was saying vocally you know that was a tune we would do everyone nailed it and when they did it sounded killer you know right it's nice well, fat and full. Go, go your own way. It's the same chord progression as your love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's why we. It's one. Uh, go your but own I way is an F. I don't know about those things though, because I'm just a stupid drummer. Really <laughs> I just guess at this stuff. But then some of these answers too were were answers of songs that are just so incredibly overplayed. Like somebody put Mustang Sally, and I think they were probably joking. But other people put like no, maybe, it's their, maybe that is their favorite song to play. You don't know, you know. Like I said, there's no that might be yeah. no rhyme or reason to the songs. I mean, there was there was so many, and some were so obscure. Brown eyed girl, Green, you yeah. know. Uh, but you know, somebody puts Iron Maiden, "Hell Be Thy Name," um, and awesome. I mean, if I, you know, if I was playing five nights a week and playing Iron Maiden, I would be in heaven, dude, because that's where I come from. But that's never, ever, ever going to work on uh, Bourbon Street. Although we used to play the Trooper, and that kind of worked. But how be thy name? No. Yeah. I would love to play the, but, any of those. But I, God bless this guy. He's playing it in a band, and it's working somewhere. So good for him. Hard to yeah, handle. Was, yeah, hard to handle. But there were so many like obscure ones, like Possum Kingdom, you know? Right. Uh, I don't know that that's that obscure, though, because the 90s music is really coming back, and that was a pretty big hit back then, an album. Yeah, but just going through, it's like, I mean, it's, there's tons, right? Like, you can see there was Rocky Mountain Way was one I saw there. There yeah, was uh, a Disaster. There was uh, Twilight Zone. There was... Um, I used to play that, too. Yeah, you know, Radar Love. There was House yeah. of the Rising Sun. Take Five. Um... You know, just so many really good, you know, one guy had acoustic version of Tools Sober. Um, oh, that's let, cool. Let me entertain you. Um, There's, uh, I see, uh, Nor Crazy by Norris Barkley, which I love that song, man. That's a great Yeah, that's a good song. tune, for sure. You know, here's a guy, Deal, by Jerry Garcia. There was one. Um, Black by Pearl Jam, that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Pinball Wizard. Wow. Creep by Radiohead. Pinball Wizard, that's great, man. That was one of the first songs I ever played in the eighth grade talent show. <laughs> really? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh man, a box. Oh, way overplayed, but Starseed. Starseed by Our Lady Peace. Oh, dude, I used to play that. I played in a band called Smack and Betty with my buddy Jeff and this guy Frank playing drums. We used to play that song. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, Beating Around the Bush by ACDC. Wow. Really? Uptown Funk. Everybody's playing that. Highway Star. Deep Purple. 
Move Along by All American Rejects. I love that song. Yeah, we play that song. That, that, that was really? over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I love that no, it's song. Great. I want to come and sing that song with you. Yeah, no doubt. Always good, good, good drum intro. You, um, you may be right, which is another song I sing. Yeah, um, blue. So, uh, like, there's people out there all the time that are looking for ideas for songs to play. So, if if you happen to listen to this podcast and go back to this thread, uh, it was posted at 4:30 Eastern Time on August 28th, 2017, and you can get some ideas for songs from there too. And I appreciate. We appreciate all the responses there. Awesome. Yeah, almost 500, man. It's awesome. But again, looking at the community of musicians, right? Super eclectic mix and taste of songs. All good all good tunes. You yeah. know, well, you know that... why, too? Because we have people on there from all over the world. So uh, so we're getting, uh, we're getting the whole melting pot of the planet Earth here on Cover Band Central. Yeah, and like I said, there's there's hundreds of songs here, you know, and there's not a lot of repeats. There's it's a very very well rounded, refreshing mix to see. Yes. All right, my friend, we have come to the end of the hour. Wow, that went fast. Huh? Yes, it did. It always does. But thank you for listening, anybody out there who's listening. Um, please get on the page if you're not on the page. Like it. Join the group. Um, and share and tell your friends and we want to grow this thing to the biggest thing in the world as far and as our music thing. Yes. Play with the click. Always. We will see you next week. Facebook.com slash Coverband Central. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you, buddy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.